Hey there, it's Pastor Evan here. Welcome to Unpacked. This is a new series, Unpacking Life as a Messy Human. We're exploring the soul and the strength that comes from the journey of trying to live life authentically. We hope you find it helpful and that you can see yourself in the conversations, the stories, and the interviews. Have a listen and subscribe. This week on Unpacked, Tara and I are discussing the Enneagram. We take some time to describe this personality tool, what it is, the benefits, how it reveals truth and sheds light on maybe some of our gifts and some of our darker shadowy sides. We share a little bit about how knowing your number and the eight other types of Enneagram numbers can lead us to a more compassionate way of living, both towards ourselves and to others. We run through a quick snapshot of each Enneagram number and share a little bit of our favorite resources for learning more about it. Enjoy. Tara, what's up? <laughs> Tara's on the podcast. She's interviewing people. Yay. <laughs> Finally getting you to talk. It just tricked me into it more and more. That's how it works. I don't know where you want to start, but do you want to just describe a little bit about what we're talking about today and why we chose to talk about the Enneagram? Okay, I absolutely can. So I think, well, a couple of things. The first thing that comes to mind when I think about the Enneagram is it, it has just probably been become one of the most important tools for me personally to try to understand myself a little bit, the things that are like, uh, good about me, but also the things that aren't so good about me. And so there's some some self-awareness things that, that I think go on. And, and it, one of the things I was reading is that the Enneagram points out your shadow, but also as it's pointing out the, the negative things about your shadow, actually also some of the things that are really beautiful about you. Hmm. And for me, that's been really helpful in, in coming to love myself, but also all those all those things. And, that, and I think that, that the reason why I love it so much is because as I get to know people and I care for people and I come to know their number and kind of how they see, which we'll, I'll describe that in a second, I get to help them reframe their dark shadowy side so that they can see the good that God also made them for. Um, I like the Enneagram for a lot of reasons, but one of them is that it ultimately is helping you discover how you see. So whatever it is that's happening in front of you, even the people around you or the events that are taking place, your Enneagram can help you to identify how you're seeing those things in, in, a, in a good, but maybe even also in a maybe more challenging kind of a way. And what I love about it is... Some would say personality tests like the Enneagram and others box people in, you know, that it's like, well, mm -hmm. you're just boxing me into my number. And I think, I think it's been abused that way for sure. Absolutely. For sure. But what I would say is when I look at people's behavior, sometimes we just go, well, that's that behavior is there because they're afraid they're filled with fear. So that's what that is. But actually fear works differently for different people. So your behavior, you can't just assess somebody's behavior and their motives behind that behavior. And 
we kind of get to unlock that too. So it's a little bit less about boxing people in. Mm. And it's even more about saying, yeah, three people can do the same behavior for very different reasons. Right. There's so many layers to it. And I just think that's how God made us. I think he made us this deep. And and so that there's always opportunity to grow and there's always opportunities to connect with each other. And that's the Enneagram is just another one of those ways for kind of mining for truth. You know, we've used that on this podcast before, and I really do believe the truth will set me free, but truth isn't always great. And so sometimes I have to do look at my number, my, my number, who I am and go, uh, I think I just did it. I just did it again, you know, like, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully grow so that I don't do it as badly the next time. <laughs> do you remember, how did you find out about the Enneagram? I went to a pastors and spouses conference. I think the very first time I did it and Kristen and I did it together. I, I, I have no idea where those test results are or what they look like or any of those things. And then I had to do it again for a class I was taking. You know, I know lots of people, you know, assume I'm not educated, but occasionally I do take a <laughs> class. And uh, this was on um, vocational excellence. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're ever wondering how I became such a perfect and excellent pastor, it was because I took a, I took a oh, class. It was maybe more like it. a webinar. It was like an hour or so class I took. And, Did, and wait, wait, wait. Was there a paper you had to write for it? <laughs> oh, yes, there was. <laughs> yeah. So I took it there and then I, t- I had to take it one more time for my assessment to become a church planter. Mm, so this goes actually pretty far back. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but I wouldn't say like all of those times, it was like, it was more about other people assessing me so they could know me and like some of my tendencies and all those kind of things. But I never really dug into it for my own personal needs and then to help others until, I don't know, what was it, four years ago, five years ago, something like that. And then I've been obsessed ever since. And, and mostly I think I became obsessed with it because I saw how I could grow and also how I could help others grow. And one of the gifts that don't, doesn't get talked about very often when you study the Enneagram, all of the Enneagram numbers, like this is what's so tragic is when I talk to people and they're like, yeah, I found I was, a, found I was a six. So I just read all the six stuff mm-hmm. and I just go, Oh, you are missing out on being able to understand about the other eight ways that people are seeing what I would say is my level of compassion for people. My level of empathy for people has grown so much in my study of, of the other numbers on the Enneagram. I'm, I am seeing that I only have one way of seeing. Mm -hmm. And so even as a leader at Lake Ridge, but even in my other kind of capacities where I'm caring for people, there's been several moments when I'm like, no, I actually, we need to hear from like a two here or a three or a, you know, whatever, or somebody got to get the nine to talk. How, yeah. how come the five never came to the meeting? You know, right. Like this is like, <laughs> like all those kind of, you know, like, so I know we're going to get into some of the numbers, but, and we can make, we can make jokes about numbers, 
but there's like reasons behind all these things. Well, and even when you talk about like for you having a lot of ideas and your mind being very fast and the what ifs, like knowing that about you means I don't have to, like, I don't have to play out every scenario with you. I can listen and be along for the ride. I don't feel overwhelmed by it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I, I know what you're doing. Uh, in my own study and my own understanding of sevens, like on that, if you work with the seven, you, you should not act on everything they say. And you should really wait for the, till they say something three or four times. And then you could be like, Oh, I think they might, this might be happening. Like they, they might actually be taking this somewhere because, because it really is like the joy of dreaming something up. I, I remember this. I'll tell you a quick story on that. And it was, it, it wasn't good for me. Like it was, a, I did a bad thing. Uh, when we first started out Lake Ridge, I had several twos that were around me. I, I didn't know this at that time, but I, but they were there and we would have a meeting and I would start dreaming, right? Cause church planting, especially in the beginning is mm-hmm. all dreaming. I remember after a meeting, I get this phone call and it's, it's from a two. It was really awesome. And they were freaking out, talking super fast. And like, and I don't know how we're going to do this. And I'm not sure about this. And I don't know how to make this happen. And these things go on and and all these kind of things. And I was like, whoa, 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 like, wait a sec. We're not, we're not doing all those things. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And here in this meeting, which was a dreaming meeting, she had picked up that because I could give an idea and then even talk about like how we could make it happen. Cause that's a part of dreaming too. And that is actually the way I dream. I had completely overwhelmed her. No idea that what I was doing in the meeting was something she was jotting down, making notes and, and literally believing she was going to have to do all those things. Okay. So we've talked a lot about you being a seven, but like, what was the journey like to figuring out your core number and how did you, how did you get there? Like, was there a couple of different types of numbers you had to look at? Yeah. Like I did the, the most effective test was the one I chose to do myself. And I think that's actually really important. It's like your pastor can tell you to go do it or your spouse can, or even your counselor. But when you are ready to do some self-awareness and self-reflection work, and you choose to do this test on your own, you tell the truth to do it. And I actually did a test. Now I'm not so sure if I would advise that I, I might actually advise, well, I might, I have actually advised people that they read a whole book, like the road back to you or something like that, and then start to, to do the process of, of discernment, the process of trying to find what's most true of you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's way more work. It takes way longer, but I did a test and the test I did, uh, was the Wagner one, I think. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably post the, it on the bio. And it gave me like a percentage of how much of each number really I was living out. And for me, actually, I, I had a tie in my score. Um, and it was between a seven and a two. That did start a process of kind of having to do some work, try to figure out, okay, well, what, what is true of the two in me? And, and, and here's the thing. We all have a little bit of every number in us. So this isn't like you're just something and that's the box you live in. That's not real. I I had to do this work of like reading the the statements about the two and and considering what are the thoughts about the things that twos think about. 
how to twos process things. What does that look like? And I, I certainly have some two in me, mm-hmm. like without a doubt. I do. I, I want to serve others. Like one of the most two things about me is that when people ask me what I need, I very seldom have an answer. And that's a, that's an unfortunate side of the two, which we will talk about in a sec. But, and then when I was reading the seven and in particular around some of the sevens um, avoidance of pain stuff, I'm reflecting back, right? I'm 47 now, but at the time I was reflecting back on the prior 40 years or whatever. And, and I could see places where pain was something that I wasn't, no one likes to lean into pain, but sevens are masterful at staying out in front of pain and we do it unconsciously. And that's the thing about the Enneagram is, is one of the gifts that it gives you is that it, it helps to reveal the unconscious things we're doing. And some of the unconscious things are really unhealthy in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I think, I think that was one of the, the key ways that I came to go, oh, no, I think the, the seven description is more true of me than the two. And then I didn't do it alone. And I actually don't, I don't think that you should do a, an Enneagram journey all alone. And so for me, um, one of the key people who helped me to walk through a lot of that was, was my spiritual director, Rod. Yeah, he was just, just really good at always pointing out the best things about a seven. And it seemed like as he pointed out the best things about a seven, I got a little more brave to look at the shadowy things. If that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think it does. Cause it's one of those things that when you read it, I've heard from several people, when you read, you figure out your type, you've either taken the test or you've kind of nailed it down something you read it. And you're like, excited about all the other numbers, even like for some people, it would be like the seven sounds awesome or being a two sounds awesome. And then when you are that number, you're like, Oh, what? That's painful. I do that. I manipulate people. (laughs) No, no, Tara, the word is seduce. (laughs) (laughs) It's rude. I didn't put that in any of the notes about the two. Oh, oh, I haven't forgotten (laughs) that word. I, I know how much you love it. I think you're right. And I definitely, the first time I read The Road Back to You, because a lot of the Enneagram stuff starts at the eight and then it goes to nine and then one and then around the wheel. And the seven actually is the last one. Well, for the joyful type, who is this? That's the seven. Um, I was so excited. I was like, I am learning so many things about all these numbers. You know, I, I, the, I listened to the eight, which was the first chapter. My wife, Kristen, is an eight. And I wept. While I was listening to it, just realizing that some of these things about her, are, these are the things that I, I, I both love so much about her, but also the things that just rub sometimes, right? <laughs> and, and I remember just being so moved by this gift that, that eights have to, mm-hmm. to stand up for the, the weaker people. And that, that their strength is given to them by God so that they will stick up for the underdog. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. And now, unless you're on the receiving end of that, (laughs) that's a, that's not always great. If, if you aren't doing what you need to do to protect 
mm-hmm. the underdog or the least of these, so to speak. And for me, I was listening to each of the numbers and I had people that were coming to mind, like real people that I really love that were coming to mind. And it, it made me fall in love with these people so much deeper ways. Anyways, I got to the seven. I was like, oh boy, here we go on the seven. And then it was terrible. It was, it was like the worst chapter <laughs> I've ever read. It's just like, yeah, it would be good for sevens to admit that they're running from pain. And it, it made me feel so weak. I, and, I, and I think that was, that was a really challenging thing. Now I have learned that that's not true. But at the time, I remember just going, oh, man, you're a mess. And, and probably everybody knows it except you. <laughs> that, I think, is also the other side of it. You're like, so everybody sees this? Yeah, it's cringy. But I think you're right. I think that's super helpful to mention um, doing it with other people, like having mm-hmm. other people around you to remind you of the gifts that you do offer the world. So then when you are looking at the hard things, it's not so scary. Yeah. And I think, I think that, you know, one of the, the big metaphors I use, and we're going to get into each of the numbers here, but one of the big metaphors I use here is the Enneagram reveals your, your shadow. And many of us, not every number, but many of our numbers, we are, we're afraid of our shadow. And, and so I think when we do this in the context of community, and or, you know, and with God's help, I think the strength of the community, the strength of God's wisdom can give us courage to, to turn and face our shadow instead of fleeing, fleeing from it all the time. You know, the Bible says flee from all sin, right? But, but that, that isn't what it means, right? So, so being able to turn and face it and go, what exactly is it you're trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. We, we think somehow that God is so offended by our sin. And I just don't think that's true. I, I really don't. I think, I think we are. I, I think I'm the one who's uncomfortable with my sin. I, I actually don't think Jesus is as uncomfortable with my sin as I am. So if I can, if I can tap into that in the context of safe community, and God's wisdom, I think I can turn around, face it, and go, what are you trying to reveal to me? And I can stand there with some sense of peace and confidence, knowing that because I'm in a healthy community, and I got God beside me, that I can allow, in my case, pain or sadness to, to even pass over me. And I know that I'm going to be okay on the other side. And that probably has been the greatest gift. And I I would say my church uh, and my friends and those around me are the beneficiaries of me being able to be sad and know I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that's helpful. Also, I think you said like you didn't use the word change because we're not, the Enneagram is not about changing who you are. So finding out the hard things about ourselves and the shadows and the sins that we're facing, it's not about changing them. 
it's about no. asking the questions and you, and you said that really well. And I just think it's important for people to know it's not about, okay, looking at the things so you can fix something in you, but it's being able to like acknowledge that this is there and how do we healthily move forward and grow? Like it is almost like what I would say in my understanding of it is too. It's like, if you imagine you, you know, you, you are like a soundboard, like a mixing board, right? And there are times when I have to turn up parts of different parts of who I am to help others and to care for others and to lead our community and do those things. And then there are other moments when I'm like, I've got this sucker at 10 and I need to dial it back to a five because I am freaking everyone out here. Right. And so it's like becoming self-aware enough to do that in real time is really important. And I, I think that's, it's taken me a long time and I am by no means good at it yet, but there have been some times, even in the last several years where I've been able to go, this is going to be painful. This conversation I'm about to have is going to hurt. And instead of trying to charm it away, I'm going to let it be. And I'm going to see what, what happens here. For sure. Should we get into the numbers? Let's do it. Okay. Well, we're just going to do like a quick overview of each. So we're not, we're not trying to go super deep because this could be forever. This isn't a week long webinar. Okay. Yeah. This is like, we're not teaching a class here. This is the, the rock skipping across the top of the water. Really? Right. And I think our hope okay. is for people to be able to listen a little bit, maybe hear themselves in it if they know their numbers or want to learn more about even some of the other numbers and kind of go on the journey. So we'll, we'll include some of the resources that we both like to listen to because I know you're obsessed with the Enneagram, but like I am too. You've kind of brought me along. You and Kristen kind of got me into this as well. So now I listen to a lot of podcasts and do a lot of reading about it. And it's been really helpful to me. So let's do it. Let's do the numbers. So should we break trend and start at ones instead of? Let's do that. <laughs> there, there, there is a reason why they do that. And, and really because when we break up the numbers, there's different triads is what they're called. And so there are three numbers that fit in what, what they would call the thinking triad or the fear triad. Then there are three numbers that sit in what they would call the, the gut or the anger triad. And then there's, there's these other three numbers that have something to do with emotions and feelings. And, <laughs> the uh, heart triad. They're the best. And the heart, oh yeah. The heart triad. Okay. That's what they call it. Like, um, but, but we'll start, we'll start at the one, um, which is, which is in the, uh, the gut or instinct. So, so one of the things I love about ones is there, there's lots of different terms for them. Some call them the perfectionists or the, or the good, the good ones. And, and um, what, one of the things of, about their motivation is that they, they really do believe in the good, that there is a good thing that they, they are, um, really committed to integrity. Some of those kinds of things, like oftentimes you don't have to second guess a one when they're, when they're doing their work, they, they're, they are doing the good thing. It's their motive actually to do it, to do it really good. And, um, and so they, they are motivated by good things. Yep. They are thoughtful. Um, they're usually, they work really hard to be articulate the way they word things, the way they write things, some of those kind of things. Um, 
And, and they ultimately do want the world to be a better place. The unfortunate thing for them is that sometimes they wake up and they see where the world is not a good place. And so it can be really hard for them because oftentimes um, they, they're, they're very difficult. They're very hard on themselves at times. So they wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, right? And they see, see the world and what's broken in it. And it, oftentimes it starts with the person in the mirror. And so I have a great deal of compassion for, for ones when it, when it comes to that. The, the twos are the next one, but I'm not even sure I should describe the twos. I feel like you. <laughs> well, maybe, but do you want to, do you want to mention any of the like shadow sides of ones or healing or how do you want to go through? Yeah. It? Okay. Well, yeah, I would say a shadow side for a one is that, is that oftentimes they, they don't feel like they're enough. Mm-hmm. And no matter how hard they work, they're not going to be able to make everything good enough. <laughs> right. And, and sometimes they second guess what they're doing because they're, they're not sure that, that their ideas are the best idea. And, and what's kind of tragic about that is if they could just trust their instinct, the instinct of a one is, is, you know, nine times out of 10, it's, it's the right instinct. It's the thing to trust. And so I, I, I wish they could feel more confident in that. And, um, and then I think for healing, like seriously, a big part of that is just being able to embrace who they are and, and how they were made and that they were made with great kindness in them. And they just need to trust that and start leaning into that. So they sometimes, you know, can just like we all can, they can believe the lie. But one thing I would say about, about them on a path to healing is like Susan Stabil would say this. She would say uh, a good practice for a one it is to like not make their bed one day. Just leave them bed messy. <laughs> and, and then they could see that, that the day will be just fine, even if the bed isn't made at home. Okay. So you want me to describe the two? Oh, I think you should describe the two, don't you? Yeah. Twos, I'm a two. Um, for me, I didn't find it hard to come to the fact that I was a two. So that was kind of interesting. It wasn't a hard journey for me, but twos really desire to be loved and needed and feel really special in the eyes of loved ones or people that they feel are important to them. So they tend to be able to read the room really well emotionally. They can pick up on other people's emotions. They're not always as good at um, being aware of their own emotions because anytime they're in a space with other people, they're absorbing what's happening and are paying attention for the needs around them. Innately twos know how to often provide what people need or say what people need or do the thing that the people they love um, need when they're struggling. And they are sent they're in the heart triad. So they are just aware of their feelings more than most. Twos have like an underlying um, issue of shame. So that's really present at the surface for them. And it, I think it goes hand in hand with wanting to be loved and sometimes settling for not that instead, just creating a space in people's lives where they're dependent on you versus actually receiving real deep love in the relationships they're in. And then they're also not very aware of their needs. (laughs) They tend to repress their needs in order to meet the needs of others and 
I remember this, <laughs> this one time in your office, we were talking about this and I was like, well, what would I even ask people for? Cause I might know what I need, but I, I wouldn't ask someone else to meet a need for me. Like I would either try and meet it myself or not talk about it. And I was like, what would I even ask for? And you were like, how about a hug? And I just started crying because I couldn't even realize like how out of touch I was to even just ask for something so simple that would provide me so much comfort in the moment. And it was so hard for me to even ask that of people that are close to me. It just, it shocked me. So mm-hmm. that was just an example for me of like, I maybe I am really out of touch, especially in stress. I don't want to risk any sort of rejection. So I won't ask for what I need. And that's, that's personally been the work for me that I've been trying to do over the last couple of years. So the shadow is really about feeling unwanted and unworthy of love. And some of the healing work I think for twos is paying attention to a couple of things, like understanding what's yours to do. Like Susan Stabile says this, she asks the question all the time, what's mine to do. And I think that's a helpful question for twos to keep in mind because we can find ourselves on the other side of the fence, meeting people's needs that people have not asked us to meet. And then for me personally, I found it really helpful to, (laughs) Rod also helped me with this, (laughs) talk about how to practice asking for what I need. So I actually keep a list in my phone of some needs. And then sometimes I have a couple of close people that I have to try it on. Yeah. Uh, so two things come to mind while you were talking. The first is, and you, you, you said this at the beginning, but I, I just, I think it's really important that twos actually are really quite in touch with emotion for twos because they want to help other people. My observation of a lot of twos is that they really do work hard to be organized. And, um, because that helps them make sure they know all the needs of everybody around them. And, uh, so one of the, one of the things, if, if not making your bed is a practice for a one, probably not carrying your, your calendar around with you or your day timer in my language and your calendar around with you for a little while. Or even um, your phone, like in general, your phone, because I'm not so attached to my calendar, but I would say the needs are always present on my phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So putting that away for a while is helpful. Yeah. I, I would actually say like on an even more serious note, I think for twos sometimes um, like this would be my take on a lot of twos that I know is when they are alone and they're thinking about other people and what other people might need, they drop them a text. And it might actually be a good practice to just, just give a prayer or two for the, that person without ever telling them you did. Mm-hmm. So that's true. Or the the other side of it is you have a need for Mm -hmm. connection or discovering what, Mm -hmm. why you are reaching out to that person. Is it really about them? Or is there something that you would, you're trying to inadvertently have your needs met? So instead saying what you need. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't tell people what your needs are, you run the risk of manipulating people into meeting those Mm needs. Okay. Threes. Should we do threes? So threes are, threes are interesting. Threes uh, are motivated by success. And actually, maybe this is helpful before I move on. Sometimes when we look at the wheel, we can see it like this. Everybody is figuring out where's the love. Everybody wants to be loved. 
Everybody needs mm-hmm. to be loved. And so, and they think there's certain ways to be loved. So a one, right? Make the world a better place and people will love you. Mm-hmm. A, a two, serve others, help others, all those things. They will love you. You know, threes, be successful, achieve things, right? Be action oriented, all these kinds of things. These are ways that people will admire you and people will love you. So they have, they have some good, some really great qualities. Like they, they tend to be encouraging. Um, they're motivating. They're, they're action oriented. Like they really do want to see something happen. You end up in a meeting with the three <laughs> and I tell you what, they want to get something done. And, and honestly, a three uh, in a lot of locations is willing to do just about anything to make sure that, that it works, that, that, it, that it's successful. One thing that's challenging for them or quality about them is that, that um, they are experiencing the world through their heart and through their feelings. They just don't know it. They don't realize that there's, there's emotion and feelings that are, that are really pushing them forward. Um, unfortunately for them, they do have an underlying sense of shame, uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, it's like a a deep fear almost that if they fail, that it'll, it'll affect them at their very, very core. And so, um, and, and their very, very core meaning their identity. And so, uh, when we think about shame, shame is, is an emotion we experience when our identity is in jeopardy. And if you're always trying to keep your identity held up, then you always feel like your identity is under attack. That can be, that can be a really hard, it can be a, a, a real shadow actually for them. So, so they have obviously have a fear that of being worthless, uh, of not being helpful or, or adding value to whatever it is that they're in and, and whatever it is they're doing. Right. Um, Threes also, um, they have a shadow where they, they sometimes can be chameleon-like. They want, they want to win the room over, and that can be a good thing when they're trying to get something done, right? But um, it can also make it very difficult for them to really truly know who they are, what they really stand on, what they really believe. Uh, because they're trying to make sure that everybody is like on their team so that they can keep keep something growing and and so it's it's motivated in in good places but it it can the practices can take you to sometimes more difficult places a a healing path for a three is is giving up the need to be the best right like if they can if they can stop feeling like they have to win the room or win the day and um and they can they can start to actually like enjoy the room and enjoy the day. <laughs> uh, this is, this is good healing practice for them and, and, and really accepting who they are and how, how they operate is, is a part of that, right? It's just kind of going, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to use the, the good gifts that God has given me to, to help whatever it is that they, that they're up to. That's some of the key, key, key things, you know, threes wake up in the morning and, and they're thinking about, you know, what is, what am I going to get done today? And really a key for them is what do I need to pay attention? And what, what I would hope they would find is the people around them, the stories of the individuals that they encounter. 
and and the gifts that those people bring. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's a little bit. Anything that I missed out on the threes there? Um, oh, I was just thinking they sometimes will achieve at all costs. So when you mentioned the people comment, sometimes you know humans get in the way of achieving. They slow us down. And that yeah. can be challenging for a three. So you're right, paying attention to the relationships and the people around you and even your own emotions, if you can get in touch with those a little bit, then you can understand better why you're trying to, you know, avoid that person or not work with them or <laughs> yeah. not have to encounter them. And the other really cool thing about threes, often not all threes, but often they like pick up on trends and they can see things kind of coming before. So they're usually like the first to adopt stuff. And they're also the first to kind of know what the next cool thing is going to be. So when they're paying attention to that in business or even in their lives, it's like you you can watch a three be like, this is going to be the next product we're all going to be into, or this is going to be the next podcast we're all going to listen to, or, and it's kind of fun to be around them because they often yeah. just innately know that. So that's kind of a neat thing about them. No, very good point. Very, very good point. Fours are beautiful people. They, they have a desire to find meaning and significance in everything. <laughs> and, 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 and we need that. We really do. Right. They, they, they like, um, creating an identity out of, out of their inner experience. Lots of fours, um, like in terms of like, uh, of qualities, they, they typically are very creative people. They uh, tend, tend to seek for what's true. Like they really want to know truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, both for them, but, but they really want to help others to find truth as well. Um, they, they definitely don't settle for like the ordinary or the accepted or any of those kinds of things. Um, they, they, they oftentimes uh, healthy fours are really great at articulating like how the culture is feeling and mm-hmm. where it's at. So you see like um, a ton of fours are poets, artists, musicians, you know, they they paint beautiful things that make us think about the world in more dimensions than just the one that's right in front of us. They, they're, they're good at revealing some of that truth. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they can have a tendency sometimes because the truth sometimes is hard. It's sad. It's challenging. And, um, there, there can be a tendency for fours to lean into the sadness of, of some of the things, the brokenness of things that are going on in their own life, but also in the lives of those around them. In fact, and this is, they're an anomaly to a seven, but, but, to, but the, some of them, my, my, I have a family member who is a four and I was describing her in a zoom call to some of the family I was describing her. I was describing the four and I know she's a four cause her and I have talked about it. And I had said, uh, sometimes like fours, like, I don't get this, but they actually like to be sad. It, it, it's like, it reminds them that they're alive mm-hmm. and, and it taps into something that's authentic for them. And then, and then they write or they, whenever she's a musician and she was like, I write the best songs when I am sad. <laughs> And so when I feel sadness coming on, I feel like it's time to go to my piano I get up my notepad, go to my piano and, and write. This, this is an interesting thing about them, which mm-hmm. I, I like. And then I also just go, yeah, I don't, doesn't, 
doesn't make any sense to me at all why you would want to do that. But, but that is, that is kind of one of those things, things for them. Yeah. And I actually think like for them, that's some of their shadow, right? They actually fear that if they don't, they don't live fully into the saddest thing that they're not being authentic in some way that, that it, you know, if you don't go all the way to the bottom of the sadness, it's fake. All right. And that, that, that just simply isn't true. It simply isn't true. And, and, and so for them, a part of their healing, their healing journey and the things that they need to pay attention is that not, it's not always the case. They need to be telling themselves that not everything is wrong with them, that, that actually they're, they actually are okay. Fours have a unique ability to sit with others in pain. I was just without, thinking that. Yeah. Without fixing it. Mm-hmm. And like that, that is a gift. Yeah. They just rest in it. Like it doesn't, there isn't like any sort of resolution that needs to happen when you're in a conversation with a four and you're telling them something painful. It's not like, you know, sometimes in your married life, like my husband does this where it's like, they just want to help you get to the solution. Yeah. And fours don't do that. Uh, Henry Nguyen used to describe this and, uh, and the Catholics still, I think call it this, the ministry of presence, Hmm. which is like, essentially a ministry of just being with people while they go through something hard and fours can do it. And they, they're, they're really quite good at it. And, and I think that's, that is a gift to, to give people a sense that they're not alone, but also not interrupt what they're going through with your own narrative all the time. Uh, I think that's just some of the other things that, that fours need to think about is like, what is real? And, mm-hmm. and fantasizing about how bad it is or how bad it was is actually not real. One of the things about fours is they like to be unique. Their uniqueness is something that they carry a bit like a badge sometimes. And so when they're experiencing something sad, they want to be uniquely sad. Mm-hmm. Or, right? And, and or uniquely happy. What I think sometimes happens is when we're looking for for uniqueness, we start trying to find things that just simply aren't there. But actually it's like, oh no, other people have experienced this. My pain is not unique to me. Right. Because fours can be, sometimes in the Enneagram, they talk about, especially in the heart triad, which is twos, threes, and fours. Twos are very other focused. Threes have the emotions, but aren't always in touch with them. And then fours are very inward focused. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't mean you, those numbers can't do other things, but that is kind of one of the ways that they describe how those different heart connections play out. That's exactly right. Exactly. 